Welcome to the DOS Champions Podcast. It's September 16th. I'm joined by my good man, Ryan Tooney, and we have got a few topics for you today. We've got um, a Champions League roundup of Match Day 1, and we've got a preview of Match Day 5 in the EPL, and we're going to close with some U.S. coverage. Um, Ryan, you ready to jump into this thing? Yeah, let's do it, man. Uh, you know, season's really, once the European fixtures get in there, the season's heating up, and uh, it's a lot. A lot of stuff happens now, you know? There's a lot of different leagues happening at the same time and a lot of facets happening at once. The Champions League is the creme de la creme that's going on. The EPL is, uh, como se dice, baller as hell. And then we have our international breaks with some significant meaning right now, considering World Cup qualifying is going down. So it's probably the most exciting time in a four-year cycle that uh, soccer can be happening, less the World Cup. But um, yeah, let's jump into it. Um. Champions League roundup. We've got Manchester City beating RB Leipzig six to three. Uh, Jesse Marsh, what's the deal with him, Ryan? Uh, I don't. I'm not nervous about him. Um, I feel as if these type of struggles are. I don't want I, the word inevitable comes to mind, but um, this is what he signed up for. He wanted to be on a top team. It's got to play big games all the time. The last two games have been really rough conceding 10 goals but there's some understanding i think in that they are manchester city and bayern munich two teams that are extraordinarily capable of just utterly decimating a team you could argue they're the two best teams in the world yeah and and it would you know yeah you you truly could uh yeah city are just a machine um it's I, i'm just not that worried about I'm not that worried about Jesse yet. I want to see them um, win some win some games they're supposed to win, kind of like settle in, see how this goes in the long term once we're more games into the Bundesliga season. Uh, though you were telling me about the players saying some stuff, and that gets me a little bit more nervous. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to talk about that. So, you know, before I jump into the players, I just want to note for our listeners at home, Jesse Marsh, obviously an American coach. We've talked about him before on this pod, and he might be more important to U.S. soccer in general and the development of the game in the United States than any player we've ever seen. Uh, the fact that a coach is doing this at this level is actually quite important for the game. So his success is integral. Um, to, to piggyback off what you said, Ryan, and to answer your question, there seems to be growing frustrations in the locker room that his play style is too idealistic. Jesse March really describe, really, uh, subscribes to a, a, a quote unquote team defense style of playing. And what it basically means is your defense starts in your offensive third. And as soon as the ball moves to the right part of your opponent's, uh, or I guess your offensive third, your opponent's defensive third the entire team presses at the same time. They cover certain men, and that's where team defense starts. The problem with that is if teams are able to break it down, you're very susceptible to counterattacks. Mm -hmm. So the locker room is getting frustrated that Jesse's putting forward an idealistic style of playing defense, and it's leaving them vulnerable, which you could argue it is, but I mean, against the quality of teams that they're playing against, with the new talent that they've got on the team, with the loss of key players like Upa McConnell and Kunate, is it really that surprising? Yeah, it's, it, I mean, there's a lot of stuff for him to work through in terms of like the personnel over chain, uh, turning over. And also 
he is changing the style of play. What's interesting about this is the style of play he's going to is actually more of a traditional um, Red Bull organizational style of play, the the high pressing as you you talked about, and mm-hmm. what they are moving away from with what um, what Nagelsmann was implementing. While pr- while pressing is present in all professional soccer they were much more of a, a possession-based team. And I wonder um, if if that is impacting how the players feel a little bit. They got they got used to doing it one way, and now it's it's different. And, you know, when you lose, it also makes it that much worse. Absolutely. Either way, uh, Jesse has had an incredibly difficult, probably, I, I can't think of any team that's had a more difficult start to the season aside from Norwich. Yeah, basically. And, yeah, and... Um, in terms of uh, strength of schedule, they've they've got the most difficult schedule, but Leipzig are expected to win those games. They're revered as a top four team in Germany. Uh, Jesse Marsh in the hot seat, unfortunately. Um, in other news, Manchester City, I mean, can these guys be stopped? Sometimes it feels like that answer is just a straight no. Whenever they go out there and execute their game plan as Pep intends it, they are... It, it's incredible. I don't know if I actually have seen a team in my entire life play at a higher level when they do what they're supposed to do. Not that that's what happened in this game, but... Well, who's the only other team that we've seen come close? I mean, what, Liverpool's done it a few times, right? And uh, Bayern, too, <laughs> looks pretty, I was can look say, like that at times. It doesn't surprise me that you said Liverpool, Ryan, a homer over here. Um, I was going to say Barcelona under Pep. I don't know. I remember watching some Champions League games where they played against Liverpool and... No, City there's dreams no, died. So in all, well, that, I mean, that isn't that the truth. That is that is a great counter argument. <laughs> I was going to say that um, Barcelona under Pep was the only other team that I saw absolutely. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Players. If you're going historically, I was thinking more like contemporary competition. But yeah, in terms of utter dominance, yeah. So. Pep, obviously an outstanding coach. He's had plenty of time to build this system. The interesting thing about what City are doing is. Um, and we're going to we're going to this is a great transition point. There's this conversation that's been kind of going on in the American game. It's been going on in, in the global game for over 100 years, but it's the numerical system. And the interesting thing about what City appear to be doing is almost dissolving this numerical system. So this idea that, hey, I play nine or I play a 10 or I play a seven or I play a six. That's almost um, an, it's not a reasonable way to frame up the way that city are playing yeah, it doesn't help you conceive of what they're doing very much no it's almost... uh, well they got like two nines but maybe no nines or two tens but maybe one's an eight like it it doesn't yeah you'll hear us their joke system around is the... based on fluidity and movement and interchange and yeah it's uh i i think you're right that they kind of break the paradigm absolutely and are you'll moving hear... things forward to where we'll probably be more and more often Absolutely. You, you'll hear us joke that they play a style that's all forwards, no forwards. Um, so this brings us to uh, Tyler Adams, who was a featured player in this game. And, and there was some talk in the U.S. soccer community about how good Tyler Adams is. And like, you know, how, Tyler Adams didn't play the greatest game against City. I, I don't envy his position. It's not easy to play against the it's not easy to be in his shoes right now to have your system change, to be uh a key factor in, in a defense playing against potentially the greatest offense that we've ever seen. Um, what's up with Tyler Adams? I mean, how good is Tyler Adams? 
Yeah, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, and I think we decisively decided not a top five CDM, which is a unreasonable assertion to begin with, and a little bit too much expectation for him. Um, he is definitely good enough to deserve where to be where he is, which is to say, he's a center defensive midfielder on a, you know, a Champions League top. quality team. Exactly. Chasing Kevin De Bruyne around though, and trying to figure out where he's going to pop up and where he's going to be dangerous is uh, the exact kind of stuff we need him to be doing in order for the United States to get to the point where we can win knockout round games in the World Cup. Yeah, we haven't qualified yet. Yeah, you know, we talk about having to play Honduras or whoever it is we have to deal with next. But I, I think Alex will agree with me on this. We continue to advocate that the United States goal is not to be like qualifying for the World Cup. It's bigger. It's about being a better team than the teams we should always be better than and competing with the best in the world. And Tyler, right. our players doing this kind of shit, this is where how we get there. He That's played right. all right, but yeah, he's not a he's not one of the best center D, DMs in the world. There's quite a few of those out there still. Right, and he's not one of them. Um, if you do want to know who one of the best CDMs is in the world, I think you don't need to look any further than Liverpool's Fabinho. Yeah, he's yeah, he's he's incredible. So I, yeah. maybe that's a good transition point. Um, we had uh, Club Brugge and PSG next. Let's talk about Liverpool and AC Milan to start because yeah, um, Liverpool were dominant in this game. What did what stood out to you? You watched this one. I did. I only had the chance to watch the highlights. I mean, t- talk to me about what you saw in this game. Um, I just, I saw a Liverpool that looked like one from a couple of years ago for most of the game. Uh, they were able to rotate and that was pretty good and still looked like the dominant team. They just had, they had Ace Milan basically pinned into their own half the entire time and every, you know, they would press them in and then they'd play, AC would play the ball long. It would get recycled. Yeah, it could have, this game could have been five or six zero, uh, but to AC Milan's credit, they progressed the ball up the field a couple times late in the first half and took their chances. And then you look at your phone and you're like, the fucking 2-1? What? Like, they they only had two touches inside the box. Or I think it was five or something in the first half. But either way, um, you know, a, a crazy little portion of the game there. But Liverpool comes out in the second half and just stonewall better team. They have the ball almost the entire half create multiple opportunities, put a few away, nice little captain's volley to to end it, trying to channel his inner Gerard. And uh yeah, good feels. I'm I am a happy Liverpool fan right now. They seem to be by far and away the best team in their group and they have a pretty competitive group. You wow, I'm surprised to hear you say that cuz they got to deal with Atletico, you know, and I I rate Atletico. I think they're more skilled than them, but um the the pain of getting knocked out by them uh still lingers i think that's almost two years ago now but still yeah atletico is a fantastic team um let's let's uh talk about the game between uh club Brugge and psg i think this is an important game to cover this was really the first time that we saw messi neymar and mbappe all deployed uh next to one and they weren't next to one another but they were you know quote unquote the three strikers this is the first time that we've seen them all deployed in a competitive game with each other and 
which stood out and to me. Andres, in this. Andres Herrera scores. Well, who seems? Yeah, well, he and he seems to be scoring. He seems to be the guy soaking up the goals for this team. I don't know how or, or why. Uh, Man United probably shouldn't have let that guy go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, I agree completely. Yeah, I mean that's just another one of the Man United blood or Lukaku but... or Lukaku. Yeah. I, the list goes on and on with Man United's mistakes, but that's not what we're here to, what we're here to talk about. Well, at least not right now. We'll talk about Man United's mistakes later because how could listen, we not? Listen, Stan, I'm not going to waste an opportunity, okay? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll present you that opportunity. <laughs> so Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe all played well. Um, it, this wasn't a 1-1 game in which one of those key figures was really lacking or not playing their best ball. I honestly I thought all of them played very well. Um, the thing that stood out to me, was PSG's uh, about PSG's weaknesses was their midfield was a little bit weak in my eyes, but Verratti was out. He's supposed to be out for about the next 10 to 15 days. Um, but it was a surprisingly even game, and that tells me that Club Brugge's really got some stuff going on. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the story of this more than... I, I don't know, maybe not. I, I want to concentrate more I think on you're right. Brugge, but... Going into this, what do you you would be like? Ah, four one PSG wouldn't be that surprised or whatever. They each, each of the big names gets a goal, kind of like take care of business, show what's up and how it's going to be over in Paris this season. Just didn't happen. But man, Bruga though, like, what's up with them? Just a bunch of kids, like. Yeah, it's a bunch of kids, and they and a whole bunch of wonder kids. It seems I have a feeling that we're going to look at this team. Um, about five or six years from now and be like, man, remember when all those guys were on the same team? Yeah. That that was awesome. And we don't know who many of them are today. They have a kid. I'm going to butcher his name. But, <laughs> I'm just uh, looking at this feeling like, all right, I'm not going to go for it. De and I think that tra- right. Yeah, and I think that translates in Belgian to the sex uh, <laughs> because this kid is absolutely awesome. He's six foot, uh, about six foot two, 20 years old, left-footed, was was making no mistakes was constantly dangerous i mean he was he was taking guys to town he was taking marquinhos to town man he was taking players who had been around the block who are on the highest rated teams for a reason he was just making it look easy and i never heard of the guy coming into this game so yeah keep an eye on club bruga i think they might have some wonder kids that are going to evolve into something special it might be one of those teams where you know like i said 5 6 years from now we're all going back and trying to find the retro jerseys for Club Brugge. Yeah, that I'm. I'm excited. I'm gonna try to catch their next next game here. So uh, moving down the list, Athleti, Cerro, Porto, Cerro. Yeah. I mean, this true, is the game. True fan, non-true yes. fans need not apply. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is basically like you know. I, it's your, it's your, it's the Joker versus Darth Vader. This, this is like the villains up against each other. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, Diego Costa versus Pepe. I mean, with a little bit of Suarez teeth action in there. Right. I mean, this is an ugly game. Yeah, I, I didn't watch this one. I did hear it was pretty boring. I guess I caught, a, I caught a couple minutes of it after the Liverpool game was over. Uh, but is it that surprising to see that these two teams ended in a zero-zero draw? Where like people were rolling around injured and all that. Not Meh. at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It'll, it'll be see, it'll be funny to see who makes it out of this group, you know, with the, it, it feels like Liverpool's in pole position, but with those other three teams, I don't really have a clear incon- inclination about who, who's going to advance here. And I, yeah, it's difficult. There just doesn't seem to be a clear cut 
one. Maybe maybe I should just say Atletico, but like Porto's plucky and they did well and got far last year in the the Champions League. And AC Milan's got some interesting stuff going too. They have some really technically gifted players and obviously they can take their opportunities when given them. That's how they got the two goals in this last game. So I think there's going to be some nice twists and turns in this group. That could be the case. Um, AC Milan, I think, in my opinion, I think AC Milan lost a lot of talent this year. And Antti Rebic has been one of those guys that's perpetually disappointed for me. Uh, Porto is like a sneaky, you know, they like could smuggle their way to the next round type of thing. Um, but Athleti really just, uh, I don't know, that team really impresses me. And when it comes down to it, I, I trust in Diego Simeone and his in his dirty tactics. Yes. He'll uh, he'll get him through. He'll get him through one way or another. Um, moving down the list, we've got Bastikas one, Dortmund two. Yeah, man. Uh, Holland show again, right? Gets another goal. Apparently, this guy in the Champions League scores like thirty three percent of the shots he takes. Like, it's just absurd conversion ratio. Um, I think I've said it before on the pod, but Holland is box office and if Dortmund are on you should watch because he's probably going to do something and I actually am growing on this theory to the point where I I think Holland might be one of those guys that you once he's retired you're going to be like wow I should have fucking watched every game that guy played he was completely generationally unique and just an amazing player so this door but it's funny because he is such a big shadow, but Jude Bellingham, he's the one that got the, the go- an assist and a goal and played really well, and he's been killing it this year. Yeah, you know how I feel about Jude Bellingham. Yeah, if I made you pick between Jude and Billy, what's going to happen? Uh, my heart would probably stop and I'd just roll over and die <laughs> yeah. because I, I couldn't deal with the heartbreak of leaving one behind. But yes. it, if I really did have to choose, I would choose Jude, no doubt. Yeah, in terms of like at this moment, who you think could run a midfield better for you, probably the right choice. Yeah, yeah. I, there's there's like stories I hear about Jude where like nobody was certain what position he should be playing, and it was based solely off his ability to influence the game as a center defensive midfielder. That that was his position. That was that was a. Uh, the one that Dortmund decided would he would focus on. I don't know how much of that is true. I think it's an old wives' tale, um, but I, I'm a big Jude Bellingham fan. Yeah, he's been he's been playing really well uh, thus far this year. Uh, I don't really know too much about Besiktas. I guess they got a goal, but they did lose at home. Um, to me, it's all about the Dortmund here, and I anticipate them moving through this group. I do as well. Uh, for those at home, unaware, Gio Reyna, uh, big sling and dick on that team. He was out injured. Uh, compliments of um, Canada. Or maybe that was compliments of El Salvador. Yeah, compliments of pulled hamstring. Com- yeah, compliments of CONCACAF. Compliments of scary fireworks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pulled his hamstring. Like seized up real quick there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pulled hamstring on account of the fireworks. Um, all right, next game we've got uh, an absolute bloodbath. Yeah, Libsyn, Libsyn 1, Ajax 5. Yeah, uh, good old sporting 
Lisbon with the craziest fans ever. Um, maybe Marseille's are crazier. I really don't know. Or Nice. Anyways, uh, Sebastian Haller scored four goals, currently leading the competition. Uh, this guy was at West Ham and failed to impress the last couple of seasons, but it's amazing what can happen to guys um, when they go to, like, guys that go to these mid-table EPL teams and kind of struggle, and then they get into, like, what's probably a more free situation at Ajax, and they can just be these, like, amazing players. Uh, I don't know, these... I always have a soft spot for Ajax and and they're like, you know, as a typical soccer fan, I like the way they play, the total football thing, the passing, the interchange, the like technical, the focus on technical skill, all of that kind of stuff. And, and you love to see it when a guy that maybe was taken out of that type of situation and forced to play a little bit more moist ball uh, got to chances to just kick the ball in the net and have a great time, which feels like what was happening during this game. No doubt, no doubt. Um, perhaps, you know, the the beauty of the IX system, but perhaps Sporting Lisbon is hashtag not good. Uh, remain, yeah, <laughs> rem- it's very possible. <laughs> remains to be seen. Uh, next game on our list is uh, Sheriff Don Brown to Shakhtar Sarah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just yippee ki yay here. Uh, Sheriff's good. This has got to be my pet team now. Um, you know, they won the uh, atypical political situation derby and I don't know I kind of I want them to sneak through but obviously the other teams two teams in this group are going to have something to say about that uh it's it's fun when like a team that has never been in this competition from a obscure place with an amazing sheriff badge they uh they do something I I didn't get to watch it but you know come on sheriff yeah, we're pulling for you, Sheriff. Although, um, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Sheriff Sheriff could squeak their way through. A win is a win. Um, the other two opponents in their group that they are probably going to get um, crushed by are <laughs> Intern Real. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So we'll jump to Intern Real. I mean, that game was 0-1. The weird thing about it is Inter dominated the game. If you, uh, I watched the game and I was like, man, Real are not good. I, I love this because I don't like... Uh, Carlo Ancelotti anymore. He screwed my boys at Everton. Go down Real. Um, Inter dominated, but they couldn't finish. And Real ended up winning, I think, in like the 89th minute. They, that's when they found their goal. But there are some really strange subs by Inzaghi. I don't understand why he took off the players he did. He took off um, Lataro Martinez. He took off Ivan Perisic. And he took off um, Nicola Barella, his best goal, goal scoring options. And maybe not what's a must-win game, but a should-try-to-win game at the very least. So I thought those were really strange shoves. On the counter end, of the spec- on the counter end uh, Real were not convincing, and their play style reminded me very much of Everton last year, where it's like the talent on the team seems to be better than the talent against Inter, but Real were getting pressed back and pressed back and pressed back, and we're not generating, generating the majority of goal-scoring opportunities. So I think if Sheriff Don Brown is going to make its way through the group, they might have a good chance against a team like Real Madrid, despite Real beating Inter one nothing. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, the The Real coach can be, he can be uh, pretty pragmatic at times, so it's not surprising to hear you say that it reminds you of uh, it reminds you of Everton. Um, they got the result right, and that is always what's important, but. 
yeah, maybe long-term signs aren't great for Real. It It's weird to see, like, they handled the whole financial situation because um, they have problems, not Barcelona problems, but, but problems. Uh, and, you know, they got this new coach. They didn't pick up a ton of new players. They're trying to kind of tread water in some ways, it feels like. But they still have so many good players left over. And you always expect Real to be more progressive in their play style. It's a weird time, man. It's it's a weird time for for this kind of a team. It is. Um, we'll see how they do over this season. And maybe next season is really where they make their splash. All I can say is that Carlo Ancelotti definitely lost some weight and got nice and tanned up. I can see why he wanted to leave <laughs> Everton. Yeah. Um, so... Moving out of Champions League and into the EPL, um, we're going to do a quick preview of match day five. So we'll go over each game that's taking place and just give you some color commentary on what we think is worth watching out for before we jump into some U.S. men's national team coverage. So, Ryan, starting at the top, we've got Newcastle versus Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds. What stands out to you in this preview? Well, you know, Newcastle didn't have a terrible showing, I thought, against United. Uh, Leeds really needs a result because though they've, you know, we always think well of Leeds because of Bielsa. They, I think they only have two points thus far. Uh, yeah, something's, something's got to give. I kind of, I can't, I anticipate Leeds getting the, getting the three points here, but we'll see. Yeah. Leeds needs to get on the straight and arrow, which I think they will. Um, next match we have is Wolves, Brentford. The way I see this is. If, if Brentford wins, they're basically posturing themselves to lock up a spot in the Premier League next year. I mean, it would take catastrophic failure for them not to be in the Premier League next year if they can score some points, especially three. Um, interestingly, on the other end of the fence, though, if Wolves lose, they are right there with Norwich in the relegation conversation. Yeah, this is another... I think I called one of the matches last week like a settling match where we couldn't really tell, like... How good are these teams? You know, should we anticipate that one would beat the other one? This feels like another one. Like, how good is Wolves actually? How good is Brentford actually? Like, will they both be relegation candidates? Well, only one of them. Is Brentford actually going to be a solid, like, almost mid-table team? These type of games are where we're going to start learning about that kind of stuff. I don't really have much of an inclination one way or another, aside from that, like, I think Wolves has the higher ceiling than Brentford. Once players like um, uh, Raul Jimenez, for example, kind of get back into form, I think Wolves could could kick on. I'm with you on that. I, and Raul, Raul Jimenez getting into form is a big thing for Wolves, and the offense that they've generated doesn't seem to be on par with the goals that they've scored. Um no, and there's still Pedro Neto is also injured still, and he's one of their more exciting players, especially since Jota left. Uh, so we'll see. I, I, I think I am less worried than you are about Wolves being in the relegation zone. Yeah, I'm more excited than I am worried, but you might be correct. You probably are more bullish on Wolves than I am. I actually am yeah. pretty bullish on Wolves. I do recognize that their offense is better than what, what shows up on paper, and I don't think they'll end up being relegated. Um, I'm just kind of hope for, hopeful for the thrill of it that Brentford win this game, although I do think it's going to be Wolves. Next match That's we have, exciting. yeah. Next match we have Liverpool versus Crystal Palace. Uh, is Crystal Palace going to keep keep scoring goals, and are they going to be able to do it against the all powerful Virgil Van Dyke and yeah. Joe Mata? 
Yeah, you imagine it's going to be Matip and Van Dyke, right? There's Klopp has not shown any signs of um, breaking them up, at least in league games. He rested Van Dyke this week, and Matip played. But Matip has played so well in the league, he was a little sketchy at times yesterday. But uh, this is a good test for for um, I think for both teams really for Liverpool from the perspective of all right, this is a team you should go and beat. And probably beat handily. Now, let's see it. And will you control the game the entire time? And for Crystal Palace, it's interesting to see if they can punch up above their weight. Uh, Successful teams in the EPL, then they stick around. They always steal a point here and there from from the better teams. And, yeah, it'll be interesting. I guess for me, maybe it's, can Crystal Palace, like, will they look like they belong? on the field or is it just going to be like, okay, yep. Yeah. They got crushed. Yeah. It's a good question. I'm expecting Liverpool to go full on heavy metal and uh, take it to crystal palace, but that's not to say that crystal palace aren't still on the up and up. It's just Liverpool totally healthy or an absolute juggernaut. Yeah. I wouldn't exactly be willing to bet on Edward scoring this weekend. Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, So for those at home gambling on this game, don't gamble on Edward. Poor, poor gamble. <laughs> um, Man City versus Southampton. Uh, what do we have? Do we have twelve nothing? A Baker's dozen nothing? <laughs> what is going to be the score here? Oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, Ralph, Ralph Hassenhutel, I like you, but don't lose nine zero again. I don't know, man. City looks like they want to just breathe fire ever since that 1-0 loss to Tottenham in the first game of the season. And you don't see any signs of them slowing down. It doesn't matter. He rotates the squad. Like, they're going to fucking smoke him, right? Like, Yeah, I, I think that's... I mean, I'm going to go out and say that Man City are going to win 9 nothing because I've been so incredibly wrong over the last week that maybe this will allow Southampton to actually like win one, one to nothing. But no, I see Man City smoking Southampton. I would call this the snoozer of the week unless you're into a lot of goals. Yeah, it's, it's like the snoozer of the week for actually having a competitive game. But if you want to watch some highlights afterward and just get a good 10 minutes of action, this will probably do it once, it once it's all said and done. Indeed. All right, moving down the list, we've got Norwich Watford. I've been saying it for weeks. This is the game that Norwich bounces back. In all fairness, against Arsenal last week, they didn't have the man, the myth, the legend. Are you human or are you Billy Gilmore? Nor did they have the Ginger Prince, Josh Sargent. Uh, I don't know if you can gank uh, Ginger Prince. Yeah. Uh, That's off limits. Well, I mean, it is skulls, you know. All right. All right. So we'll, we'll refrain from calling him that until he starts to show up. But um. Yeah, I mean Josh Sargent should be should be healthy, should be playing in this game. Watford, um, they did get Sissoko from Tottenham. They've looked a little bit more stable in their midfield since. Who do you like in this game? What do you think about Norwich versus Watford, Ryan? So I'm really excited to get to see Norwich play in a game where they're not the the little guy, finally. Uh, they like to play an open style when possible, and we should see more of how Norwich want to play. Beyond that, I really don't know what to expect from the result. Watford seems like they're kind of finding their stride a little bit. And I want to say talent-wise, Norwich is better. But it probably isn't by that much, if at all. Especially getting Sissoko in there, as you had brought up previously. He's, He's a really good addition for this team. 
this is probably going to be a really good game. Perhaps the game of the week, but I'm inclined to say the following game is going to be the game of the week. Burnley Arsenal. Burnley, yeah. Burnley are a tough team. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see their coach out there in brass knuckles. Well, I wouldn't be surprised to see like somebody on Arsenal crying because I don't think anybody on Bur- Burnley even has tear ducts. No, and, they don't. Uh, they they and, lift weights and drink beer. Yeah. <laughs> this is the classic kind of Arsenal just lose game. I can, like, you know, these are some weird predictions we're, I'm going to make here, maybe. But if we're sitting here next week, Alex, talking about the games and Arsenal's coach got fired because they got, like, had a terrible loss against Burnley. I don't. I guess I don't know the state of Arsenal that well to know if they would actually end up firing Arteta. But I know it's been a really poor run of results, and they need to be beating these kind of teams. I, I don't know. Arsenal gets a, a win against Norwich. Burnley can be super tough at home. I'd almost predict one zero Burnley in this. Yeah, I would love to see that, and I would love to see some some tears, um, some Arteta tears, and then. Some um some new coaching appointed in Arsenal, but we sh- we shall see. And for me, this is the game of the week. I don't. There's some sadistic side of me that enjoys watching Arsenal struggle. And for me, if I'm <laughs> going to put on a game, if I, if it's only one game I get to watch, I want to see Arsenal uh, have the opportunity to be upset by a lesser team. Yeah. Um, moving on to the next game, I don't even know why we're covering this. I think we all know what to expect in this: Aston Villa versus the grand old team. Everton, boys in blue. Um, I see Everton putting Villa right down. Villa is underperforming, and Everton are red hot. What do you see, Ryan? Uh, It's hard to go against that prediction until we end up seeing more from Villa. You know, you'd think, based upon the acquisitions they made and everything, that they they should be doing a bit more, but they're not recently. I don't see them doing it against a team that has been especially Everton coming off that last performance where they go down and they, they fight back and win. Yeah. Everton all the way here. No, no DCL. Um, He will have to postpone his golden boot run as he is out with an injured toe. I believe he's still injured. I will be surprised to see him suit up. Yeah. And it's you saying that, and he might be their best player or, you know, he's definitely the best goal scoring threat. Uh, I don't even like want to bat, and I at it, I'm still like, yeah, probably going to be Everton. After I, I was very impressed with them last game in a in a bunch of different ways. So was, they're going to run it back. That makes me happy to hear. Next game, we've got Brighton and Leicester. I think this could be a really great game. Jamie Vardy rested today. I expect him to be in full Jamie Bar- Vardy effect. Um, but all in all, it should be a close game. Actually, you know what? I I think it's not going to be. I think Leicester are going to win like two or three zero. They're going to have their coming out party. Uh, yeah, I think this is one of those times where it's going to be like, okay, yeah, Leicester's definitely better than Brighton, and Brighton has some work to do. That's I, that's uh, where I, I see this going. I wouldn't be surprised. It would be about time that Leicester came out and proved that they have struggled a lot defensive recently. Um, but yeah, I. I I don't know. Lester's quality, and I think it'll show through here. Fair enough. Uh, moving on, this is an in, this is an enticing game. West mm-hmm. Ham, my boys, the guys who have been bullish on. No Mikel Antonio, red card last game. 
versus Manchester United. Um, something tells me Man, Man United are going to disappoint and tie against a weakened West Ham team. <laughs> Uh, yeah, never, never miss an opportunity, right? Um, to rag on Man U, that is. Of course. Uh, yeah. Whew. I I don't know, man. Um, United are so up and so down, and what happened la- you know, what happened in midweek was was bad. I I don't know how to call it. I I really don't. Um, I, I do want to speak to the, the idea about like United and their inconsistencies. What did they, I think they tied Southampton earlier and then they had this poor result in burn against young boys. And it's, it's weird with them, man. There's so much hype around Ronaldo and all these acquisitions they made made and for good reason, but they still they still fall into those troughs of like wait why did they just tie Southampton wait why did they just give up like a last minute terrible back pass goal to lose I thought they were supposed to be better than this I I mean I haven't ever been an Ole fan um, and I really think that if United don't do, win silverware this year it's probably going to be because of him more than anything else. It'd be hard to argue that it wouldn't be because of him. Yeah, it's probably, yeah, a little bit of a cupcake shot there from me. So you mentioned something. You talked about um, when Ronaldo came off the pitch in, uh, was, it may have been against um, Los Niños Pequeños, um, although it may, have, it may have also been another game, but Ronaldo came off the pitch. No, it was. It was. Okay, so what did you see? Talk to me about that. That was important. Well, he, he just was uh, basically trying to play coach. And I've heard people talk about the idea that like, well, is he undermining Oli basically? Or like, is this a bad thing moving forward? It's, he's only been there for a little bit. And Oli, while it seems like the squad likes him a lot, he, they don't, they don't, they probably respect him too. So, cause I was about to say they don't respect him, but like he doesn't, carry that natural air of authority that a lot of other managers do. And when somebody with as big of a reputation as Ronaldo, it's not like he's purposely undermining him by kind of like getting up, gesticulating, trying to like be, Hey, let's win. Let's go out. But there's something off putting up for me with that. And it feels like the kind of thing that could create some weird power struggles and some awkward situations moving forward. Hey, maybe it's nothing, but I don't think I, it's nothing. I don't, I don't like where that type of thing could lead in, no, in a team. I thought that was really, I thought that was really insightful to point that out and keep your eye on that. Keep your eye on the body language. Um, if we, we do indeed ride the Ola coaster, Watch Ronaldo's body language because that could be a contentious point for that team. Moving on and closing out the EPL before we move on to the I like this note. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty simple. We got Tottenham. And, we got Tottenham and Chelsea. Tottenham won't score. It, it's pretty simple. Tottenham aren't going to score goals. Or maybe you could say Chelsea aren't going to allow goals. You could Bold say it strategy. either way. Yeah. yeah. No, it is probably more Chelsea. Uh... Chelsea won't allow goals like because they don't. That isn't a thing that they do. Um, so and Tottenham doesn't exactly score goals. 
Uh, and I don't see this being 0-0, so what, 2-0 Chelsea? Uh, comfortable, you know, have like 60% of the possession at least and just pushing their uh, outside center backs further and further up the pitch, creating all those overloads. Yeah, that makes that makes sense to me. I could see that going down. Um, all right, so moving out of EPL and into some U.S. coverage, we're going to wrap up with about five minutes of U.S. coverage. Um, DeAndre, Yel- DeAndre Yedlin played today for Galatasaray. He looked fantastic out there, man. I mean, there was a blooper of a goal uh, that I believe it was Lazio let, let in. You guys should look that one up. I mean, if if your kids are going to soccer camp, and or you're going to soccer camp. I mean, I don't know who's watching this thing, but you go to soccer camp and they show a video of the worst goals allowed. This goal by Lazio is absolutely going to be on that list. But uh, despite it being an absolute howler by the goalkeeper, DeAndre Yedlin playing DeAndre Yedlin playing in Europa, uh, the Europa League, high level competition, high stakes. That's in another American getting uh, elite exposure. What do you think about DeAndre Yedlin? I mean, the guy's been around for years and years, right? And Every time I think about DeAndre Yedlin, and especially with the competition we have at the right back spot in the U.S. currently, and you know even more so specifically, Dest, it's interesting because Dest is like the superior player in terms of all the the flair stuff and can do and the skills and and, and um, just in general he's a better he's a better player. But DeAndre Yedlin has been around for a really long time. He's played on teams like Newcastle. He was at Tottenham. He um, he seems to be actually like just a straight up solid professional player at a very high level. And in a lot of ways, the United States is pretty lucky to have this kind of a player. Um, we have, sp- we'll speak about like a lost generation sometimes of us players that kind of, because of like when the, not making the World yes. cup, you know, but he's like one of the guys, him and like uh Tim Ream, for example, are guys that, that We're like are still that lost generation. Yeah. They're like the, the remnants of it or whatever. And I, I got a lot of respect for Yedlin. Uh, and I, I think that he has a big role to play for the U S moving forward. Maybe not as a starter all the time, but He's a he's a really good option. I don't disagree with you at all. I've warmed up to DeAndre Yedlin. Much respect for DeAndre. Um, moving on to Cameron Carter-Vickers. He looks like he's back on the scene again. Ryan, tell us a little bit about... So he Cameron just moved to Celtic. Um, it, I think he's only played two games for him now. He scored on his debut over the weekend in the league, and then they lost 4-3 to three, uh, today in the Europa League can't remember who they played against but it's interesting to get another u.s player getting solid minutes at a decently high level and especially in the center back area uh we'll get uh, we'll touch on center back a little bit more in a second here with some of the other options we have but it's an interesting time for him to start getting more playing time at a good level i i wonder how this will shape up if he gets a bunch of time, he's playing at a high, and he's playing really well. Is he going to get called in, or is he, um, you know, by virtue of never having been on an MLS team in any capacity, blacklisted? Uh, it's 
it'll be interesting because he didn't do that well for the U.S. the times that he had been called up. But I don't think that he should be counted out at all. Anybody that's starting consistently for Celtic deserves to be at least thought about for calling in for this U.S. team. I, I totally agree. I My guess is that he's going to be blacklisted, but the more we talk about how we blacklist our good players, the more it becomes ridiculous that we would blacklist our good players. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad we covered that. We a lot and, of options. And good for CCV. All right, moving on. John Brooks. Um <sighs> He gets a red card in yesterday's, well, second yellow card, big difference, in the 63rd minute of yesterday's Champions League game. Uh, Wolfsburg goes on to tie, 0-0, no goals allowed. U.S. soccer Twitter blows up. Oh, John Brooks, head case. John Brooks, on thin ice, doesn't try hard, poor defender. Mark Van Bommel comes out today, head coach of Wolfsburg, clears the air and says, uh, totally okay with me that he does this. He's one of our best defenders. Uh, there's a difference between getting a red card and playing stingy defense, and I'm okay with the way that the guy is playing. Ryan, any thought on John Brooks? Yeah, he's like our best center back, and it's ridiculous to think that he could be eliminated from the U.S. national team setup. Uh his poor he's had some poor performances but you don't throw the baby out with the bat water with bath water all those fucking sayings you know uh while we do i just got done saying we oh we got options and stuff right at center back while we do have some options none of those options are of the quality of john brooks and this is this is just one of those times with the u.s men's national team analysis where i, I just get like very frustrated because He's obviously our best center back. Many of the shortcomings he has in the U.S. Men's National Team setup can be attributed to poor tactical, poor tactics, poor tactical decisions from from Greg. And we, we can't just be like flaky all about people that are very clearly are some of our best players. I totally agree with you on this one, Ryan. And for those keeping score at home. Wolfsburg has allowed the least amount of goals in the Bundesliga. Um, so by many standards, some would say, well, by some standards, I guess you could say, they're considered to have the best defense in the Bundesliga. Although when you compare their strength of schedule to a team like Leipzig, it's not quite the same thing. At any yeah. rate, they've only allowed one goal throughout the course of five competitive games, including the Champions League. Um. Moving on, other good news for U.S. players. Miles Robinson, there's some serious rumors about him being sought out by EPL teams. And from what I've seen, his play is consistent with he those rumors. It. Yes, he can. He should do it. He should test himself. He's got good pace. He's dominant in the air. He seems to be respectable enough at passing, I would think, to be serviceable on a uh, on a mid-table team. Um, you know, he's not going to dial numbers a la Van Dyke. but um, it's time he should do it if he's given the opportunity. I want to. I I think he can get even better than he is right now. But in order to do so, he needs to be on a team that's better than the one he's on. Agree. His transfer number is about eight million euro, from what I recall. Okay. Um, we also have Pepe, who's apparently being sought out by Syria Syria teams. Um, the latest rumor is that teams as prestigious as AC Milan are interested in Pepe. It's something is going to happen with him in January. I feel like it's almost for me. It's like the, it it will happen. 
He needs to keep playing. Once the MLS season is over, he's going to go looking for another spot to play. Maybe it'll be in Italy. He, you know, he could, he can go, he can go anywhere. Probably he could go. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in England, Germany, Spain, France, wherever. Like at this point, U.S. players seem to be playing, going to any different country and playing. We got dudes in Belgium, Turkey, like, you know, it's, uh, he can go out and he can, he can ball. So similar to Robinson in the, um, you know, go and challenge yourself and, and, and level up kind of a thing. I a hundred percent agree. I'm excited to see where his move is and hopefully it happens in January. The dude is still super young and could really benefit from this experience early moving on down the list. Uh, Mark McKenzie at Gank appears to be, I wouldn't say, I think benched is a little bit strong of a word, but pretty damn close to benched. I mean, Mark McKenzie has fallen out of favor at Gank. Yeah, I'm not as comfortable calling it benched exactly, but he is definitely not first choice at Gank. Uh, he's gotten some decent amount of time, but in some of the more important fixtures that they've had this season, he has been on the bench. Uh, he's only 22. He just made the move, what, it's going to be a year in January he'll have been there? That's right. There's a lot of room for growth here, but it is something to monitor. Um, The seasons are long. There's ebbs and flows. People get injured. We should keep watching him. Right now, he's on a, you know, stock down. Stock down on on Mark McKenzie, Um, but not totally bankrupt. Someone no. who is closer to bankrupt. Yeah, right. Uh, unfortunately, Owen Otisoe. Um, I The only reason why I talk about this, and we brought this up last week, is he is on an awesome team. Mm-hmm. Club Ruga at this point is, per, it might be the best developmental team to possibly be playing on in this moment. I mean, you can make arguments about other teams, but they have an awesome squad. They're playing Champions League football. They are at the top of a developmental league in Belgium. This dude better not fuck it up. Yeah, in a lot of ways, being on Gank or not Gank here, sorry, uh, called Club Brugge is um, better than Wolves for him. Um, it's it can be difficult, I think, for young players to compete on the like mid table EBL teams sometimes because they get so like like it's very business. Like you don't have as much space for like growth and creativity. You have to like be very structured, and so this is a good spot for him to develop and. Yeah, don't fuck it up, buddy. We would love to see you succeed. You seem like you're a beast. Yeah, you do seem like you're a beast, and we need you on the team. Yeah. Definitely an upgrade over, or at least you could be an upgrade over Acosta, who's warmed up to me. Um, With that, I think that concludes the pod for today. Um, By the time you're listening to this, it's probably Friday, so go out, enjoy your weekend. Make sure to tune into the EPL this, this weekend if there's one game that you're going to watch. I mean, watch Man U get disappointed or watch Arsenal get disappointed. Those, those sound like appealing <laughs> options. Yeah. Personally, I think go with Norwich Watford. If you want to see some, uh, what I think might be the most competitive game of the weekend. Yeah. I don't see anything wrong with that projection. Um, Ryan, have a good night. Good doing, mm, you too. Good doing the pod with you. And, uh, to those at home, enjoy the weekend. Peace.